In this episode, we talk to Brett Ludwig, Senior Product Development Engineer at 3M. We talk a wide-ranging conversation with medical skin tapes on applications, different types of adhesives to use in different situations, skin trauma, and pretty much anybody who's looking to commercialize a wearable product. Don't miss this because we're going to cover all kinds of questions that are relevant to product teams. So enjoy this podcast, and I bring you episode two. Thanks. really good to have you on board. Really appreciate you taking the time. And I guess um, just to give you a quick introduction, uh, Brett Ludwig, not not to be called doctor, doesn't like it, but Brett Ludwig, senior product development engineer, 3M, uh, PhD chemist by training, developing products at 3M for 25 years. And um, really just like, kind of like lately uh, living in, living all the challenges with regards to sticking to skin and some of the um, applications there. And of course, uh, from a TapeCon perspective, it's exciting to, to have you on because have you on the podcast just because of what we're seeing in terms of new applications coming in in, in wearable, particularly on the skin. So uh, welcome, you know, welcome to the podcast. And I guess my question would my first question is just tell us about yourself, um, 3M, um, your role at 3M Medical Materials and Technologies. Uh, yeah, uh, thanks, Steve, so much for uh, the invitation to join you today. Um, as you mentioned, uh, 25 years at 3M developing products, uh, got my PhD in polymer science from North Dakota State in Fargo. So when I moved to the Twin Cities in the southern half of Minnesota, I was actually moving to a warmer climb. That uh, might be a surprise to some people who aren't familiar with the uh, upper Midwest. Um, 25 years at 3M, started in the signage business, making materials that go into signs. Uh, jumped from there to the abrasives business. Um, and then uh, most recently for the last six years, I've been uh, in medical, uh, in the medical materials and technologies group, part of our medical solutions division. Um, in those six years, I've primarily been developing solutions for stick to skin uh and uh, was hired into the group just as this concept of wearables uh came you know started pounding on our door and it, it didn't start with a knock i i swear it went from nothing to a, a pounding it's like the industry needs this and um it's been a very interesting six years um 3m overall um 30 billion ish company um uh business groups within just about every country in the world and products and services in just about every industry that you can imagine um everything from uh computers to uh um smartphones to uh healthcare obviously to consumer products um when people think about 3M, they generally think about post-it notes and scotch tape. Um, that's our consumer business. Consumer is only actually about 15% of what 3M sells. Mm -hmm. Our uh, vast majority of our sales go into uh, other companies making products. And uh, we like to say that you're never more than a few feet away from a 3M product because our materials are in pretty much everything you use. Um, so we are everywhere and, uh, what makes 3M unique is that being in all of those industries, 
We have all of the technologies that support the products going into those different um, uh, businesses. And what makes 3M really unique is that a, a business owns the product, but they don't own the technology. Um, in, um, in my years of development at 3 in developing products at 3M, I've probably made use of probably 40 of the 51 different technologies that 3M claims to have world-class expertise in. And it's that ability to reach out across business lines and, and uh, to use the expertise of uh, developers in under, other industries to help us solve challenges for uh, whatever we happen to be working on uh, right now. Yeah, and I always, every time I talk to someone from 3M, I'm always um, I'm impressed with the level of job rotation and perspective that people get working in different business units that, and when you look at, you know, the periodic tables that when I visited the Innovation Center up there, how, you know, technologies from one area can be applied to another, and I guess that's part of the, you know, the innovation. I guess with medical tape, and I'm, I listened to your podcast um, from the pre previous podcast about and the story of your time in abrasives and talking about, you know, the abrasive wheel challenge that you had. But I have to imagine that while you come in in working with medical tapes, that you're bringing some of the skill set and the technologies that you were exposed to in abrasives into medical tapes, right? Um, exactly. Um, I obviously I can't go into any detail on uh, my newest projects, but. I am using a, a couple of technologies uh, directly from abrasives in trying to tackle what we think will be a, uh, a future demand by, uh, by the medical industry. That's great. Well, let's start, I guess, the basic question for anybody who just, you know, what is, you know, um, what is a medical adhesive tape? I mean, uh, for, for the foundations for some folks. Yeah, so uh, foundationally, um, a, a tape, let's start with tape, is um, an, an adhesive, generally a pressure-sensitive adhesive. Um, I got to take another step back. When we say pressure-sensitive adhesive, we're not talking about, you know, the ultimate adhesion of the tape being dependent upon how hard you press. Uh, that pressure sensitivity is only at the um, moment of application. So if you just take, say, a piece of scotch tape and lay it gently on a table, you can pick it up and it, it won't have adhered. If you, if you put it on the tabletop and apply some pressure and then peel it up, you will find that it had adhered. So when we talk pressure-sensitive adhesive, we're only talking about you know, that initial moment of application. So um, it doesn't matter how hard you initially press. That's not going to determine your ultimate level of adhesion, it's only going to determine how quickly you get to that ultimate level of adhesion. So um, there's a pressure sensitive adhesive. Um, tapes, regardless of their use, pressure sensitive adhesive and some kind of backing. Um, now, backings range from films to non-wovens to um, possibly a woven backing. And uh, in industrial markets, it could be a, a metal foil as, as the backing. And to say that a, um, a tape performance is dependent on the PSA and to stop there is uh, so wrong on many levels. Um, you can have the world's best adhesive for an application, 
but if it's on the wrong backing, um, the performance just will not be there. Um, and so going into medical and the importance of backing selection, the, um, the most, the, the one that comes top to mind is, uh, actually you, for sticking to skin, you want a backing that is conformable, um, a little, you know, can stretch some, um, and can move with the skin. Um, one of my first projects when I joined medical six years ago was taking a look at, um, our, our silicone tape. Um, a customer was trying to use it for an application that we'd never, um, recommended it for. And, um, they, you know, we, we said this tape would stick for, for, uh, three days. Well, in their application, the way they were applying it, uh, due to the conformability of the backing, it started lifting within three hours. So it's, um, the initial, the initial back and forth was, you know, what is wrong with this lot of tape? It's, it's not even sticking for a half a day and it's, and eventually, you know, we had to tell them it's the backing of, of that tape is just not suitable for the, um, application you want. And to wrap up this, uh, the difference between a medical tape and a, you know, an industrial tape is, um, you know, since skin is a living sensitive substrate, um, you, you need to reduce or eliminate as much as possible, um, any irritants in the adhesive. So, um, PSAs are made from polymers. Polymers are made from uh, monomers. And it's not the polymers that generally irritate skin. It's the residual monomers. Um, and a medical adhesive has been uh, processed in such a way to really reduce the level of monomer left in the adhesive and thereby um, minimize the possibility of um, irritation to the skin. Yeah, and just to get their vernacular down, like you refer to backing and versus a liner, right? Which is a different phrase, different different level of construction. And yes, I'm interested in your comment on the liner because you know when you talk about slit liners or extended liners, uh, what we've come across is you know you can specify the right adhesive, the right backing, get everything right that you described, mm -hmm. but then also taking into account you know the ultimate end user's actual application of the wearable. You can actually, um, you know, what, what you do with the liner is equally important from printing instructions for use or mm. having that liner configured for how to apply it best given, you know, what area of the body, I guess. Um, can you comment on that? Uh, yes, absolutely. And and here's where the, the different perspectives come in. Um, in your industry, you know, you're you're always thinking about the liner and, and how to uh, make it work for your end customer. Whereas from my side on the adhesive development side, you know, the only thing I want out of the liner is that it'll come off the adhesive uh, cleanly every time. So uh, vernacular, uh, the backing is uh, what the what carries the adhesive. Um, that's that's the uh, top of the adhesive bandage that you put on your skin. The liner is the paper or uh, polymer film uh, liner that is on the adhesive and protects the adhesive during manufacture of the tape and during transport. And, um, 
uh, liners are typically films or paper coated with a, a silicone material that the uh, pressure sensitive adhesives release easily from. Um, and as you said, there are um, there are as many varieties of liner as there are of adhesives. And knowing the uh, the full spectrum of adhesives out there, um, I can tell you that is a lot of different liners. And matching the liner to the adhesive is just as important as matching the uh, backing properties to the final substrate. Yeah, and I, I appreciate your perspective on that because, um, I mean, I, there's a symbiotic relationship, I think, between 3M and PAPECON and that, you know, we're a converter partner. So, you know, ultimately we're both serving the ultimate end user, you know, specifying the right material, but those details of, you know, the actual end use application is where the converter comes in and, and answers that, you know, get, gets all those liner uh, details kind of figured out. So appreciate mm -hmm. that. It's interesting to hear um, that, but it's absolutely a, a team effort, I suppose, on, on that from that perspective. Yeah. Um, I guess moving on to um, my next question, which was about more like factors affecting skin adhesion. Like what are the various factors that affect skin adhesion? Uh, yes, um, as we've mentioned, uh, I had a stint in abrasives. And um, when I came over to medical, I really missed um, developing products for abrasives because it was so easy relatively. Um, if you're abrading a piece of stainless steel, Turns out every piece of 302 stainless steel is the same. Um, when it comes to skin, no two pieces are the same. Um, it makes things much more challenging to develop products uh, for skin. So some of the specific uh, details on what makes um, adhesion to skin difficult. First of all, it's a rough surface. Um, you know, it may look smooth, but if you really zoom in, there's nooks and crannies. Um, and wrinkles to varying degrees. Um, and so though if you, the typical medical tape has um, one to one and a half mils of PSA on it. Um, if you are applying that to the skin, well, the, the valleys on the skin can be much deeper than one and a half mils. So it's very difficult with a typical medical tape to fully wet out the skin, and that can uh, reduce your ultimate level of adhesion. Uh, the skin is not uh, necessarily clean when you apply something. Um, could be sweat or oil uh, naturally generated by the skin. Um, skin is an elastic material. Uh, an elastic substrate. So going back to my earlier comment about needing a tape backing that can move and flex with the uh, with the skin, uh, very important. If your if your backing can't move with the skin, every time the skin moves, there is a stress imparted in the adhesive, and it may not cause the adhesive to pop off the first time, but after repeated stresses, it's going to lose eventually. Uh, skin is uh, also a low surface energy adhesive. Uh, sorry, low surface energy substrate. Um, um, for people, you know, in the automotive industry, uh, they they talk about sticking to uh, LSE, low surface energy substrates, on like plastic bumpers and that. Um, and you know, those might be polyethylene, high density polyethylene. Um, again. 
skin is tougher. Skin has a lower surface energy than polyethylene. Um, there's the um, fact that uh, the top the top surface of the skin, the stratum corneum, is continually um, that's the dry outermost layer of your skin. That's uh, what you see flaking off. Um, that is uh, the rule of thumb is that the stratum corneum is being totally replaced every 14 days. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, a, a very challenging substrate. And the last one, as uh, my friend Chris Godby, one of our uh, um, application engineering aces says, um, skin is a living, breathing substrate. And when you put something on it, it's going to do whatever it takes to uh, get rid of it. It, it might very well um, decide to itch and itching is the skin's method of like getting you to unconsciously pick at and scratch away whatever is irritating it. So a living substrate, definitely the most challenging for adhesives. Yeah, I know. I think sometimes people forget that, you know, the largest organ in your body is skin and it's just so yes. easy to not really, uh, I guess, to just not really remember that, you know, and it's, and, you know, you mentioned all the variables of the skin, but then, you know, all the external variables that are uncontrollable. I mean, what a complex challenge because you've got the skin itself, which it has all these variables. And then of course the external environment, right? Water, as you mentioned, um, yeah. environments, you know, everything, right? And, and not only does skin vary from person to person, it varies dramatically from one part of a person to another part of the, of the same, uh, same body. So, um, I'm, we'll talk more about that soon. I'm sure. sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, obviously the whole goal is to, is to specify the right material for the right application. Right. So let's talk about, I guess, what goes wrong when, when that goes, when that goes wrong. Right. So when you, what are some of the types of trauma when you get into trauma? Um, what are some skin trauma that could be caused? Um, what, what, what types of trauma can occur? Um, yep. So the, uh, the first one that comes to mind generally is skin stripping. Um, so there's, there's multiple layers to the skin there. I've already mentioned this, the stratum corneum, that's the outermost layer of pretty much dry dead skin cells. Layer below that is the epidermis. Um, cells are a little drier. They're in the process of, um, dying and below that is the dermis, uh, skin stripping is when the cohesion in the epidermis layer is lower than the adhesion of the adhesive to the to the top of the skin. So when you remove the skin, uh, move, remove the tape, you remove um, one or may, maybe more layers of skin with it. And uh, skin stripping is generally um, the classic look for skin stripping is a the skin looks moist um, after you remove the tape red generally and moist because um, you get down to you've gone down into the lower layers of the skin where there's more moisture um, you can also tear the skin and that's just generally you know you you see a a small a rough incision i suppose might be the uh a a non-professional's uh, definition of a tear. Um, other things, uh, tension blisters. If you have a tape with an elastic backing, 
Uh, what you don't want to do is stretch it a little bit and apply it to the skin in a stretched condition because then you will always have the, the if it's an elastic backing, the backing will be pulling back and that continual tension on the skin can cause the skin to blister at the uh, edges, at the ends of, uh, of the uh, tape where the um, stress is being applied. And then, um, oh, there's maceration. Maceration is just a fancy word for skin being swollen by moisture. Um, we've all experienced maceration. That's your, your fingers turning pruny in a, in a bathtub. Um, under a medical dressing, um, it can swell to the point when, where you take off the dressing, the skin will just appear totally white. Um, we want to avoid maceration in uh, medical tapes and dressings because macerated skin is weaker skin. And therefore, um, if you have macerated skin, it's more likely to experience skin stripping when you remove uh, the tape. And finally, um, going back to skin being a living substrate, uh, there's um, allergic reactions, allergic dermatitis, um, the skin reacting to um, irritants, say residual monomers uh, in tape. And that's why we go to uh, extra uh, lengths to reduce the residual monomers and other irritants in tapes. And uh, finally, uh, folliculitis, that's uh, infection of pores uh, on the skin. If you are wearing a tape for a long time, uh, bacteria likes to multiply in, in wet, um, dark places and uh, underneath a, a tape or a medical device um, is generally wet and dark. So um, you can get infection um, of, the, uh, of the pores in that situation. Yeah, no, no shortage of potential. Mm, like. No shortage of challenges. Nope. Uh, you know, and, and I, I remember seeing a presentation um, on, you know, internal wear studies and seeing a picture of someone's back and all these pieces of tape and numbered. And, you know, it's obviously, you know, someone's doing something in the lab to kind of do the work required to kind of, uh, I guess, circumvent these failure modes. So I guess, can you speak to, and plus, by the way, one of the things I've been impressed with also is just constantly pushing the envelope of wear time. You know, now it's like 14 day and trying to really get out and extend those wear times. But obviously, anytime you roll out a new product, as you know, in, in, in product development, you know, there's, there's a lot of validation that needs to take place in the design side before you're going to launch a product. So just curious if you could maybe, you know, allow us to peek under the hood and just yeah. let me know how are those internal wear studies conducted? How do they go? And just what are some of the considerations while that's going on? Yep. So, um, yeah, so that, that, those pictures are from our formal uh, internal wear studies um, um, ruled by um, in, an internal review board, the IRB. Um, they make sure we don't harm anybody during the, uh, during the studies. Uh, we typically have from 12 to 20 people wearing um, tapes or mock devices for, um, well, it, it used to be that a clinical study never went beyond three to five days. And uh, we're always one by three inch strips of tape worn on the back. And that goes, you know, um, most medical tapes were initially developed for hospital and clinic use 
where a dressing in a, in that type of situation wouldn't be on for typically more than a few days before they before they changed the dressing. So in those uh, in the traditional clinical studies, um, pe people these strips of tape were applied to people's backs, and uh, they were actually told, okay, while you're doing the clinical study, don't exercise, don't work up a sweat, and uh, when you're in the shower. Just shower facing forward. Do what you can to avoid getting those tapes wet. Well, okay, that's all fine and good if you're developing a tape for hospital use. Um, it's, you know, okay. When I joined the medical group, we were told, okay, we this wearables thing is, is coming down the pike and uh, we need solutions for this. Well, the, the first thing, one of the first things we did was we got together with our clinical group and said, okay, this traditional clinical is just not gonna cut it anymore because people wearing medical devices and my default go-to is always uh, continuous glucose monitors, CGMs. People wearing a CGM um, aren't going to avoid exercising and they're certainly not going to be able to keep it from getting wet when they shower every day. So we need, oh, and it's not gonna be worn on the back. So our first um, clinicals for um, developing long-term wear, we um, started, we, we put a plate on there about um, about inch and a half in diameter, roughly. Um, and uh, instead of having people wear them on their back, we had them wear them on their chest because that's where um, cardiac monitors would be worn and on the abdomen, because six years ago, that's where most uh, CGMs were worn. Actually felt a little bit guilty about uh, asking our participants in the study to wear eight of these discs for uh, two weeks. Um, but it turned out that uh, when they came in to have the samples removed two weeks later, that um, it really wasn't that much of an ask. A lot of them said they were looking forward to the next time they could earn a little extra money in a, in a two-week study. And um, we learned um, over the first few studies, we, um, we learned that we weren't really good at predicting what adhesives would last for 14 days. Um, of course, we had looked back at our decades of experience on stick-to-skin and, you know, the various experts um, in medical and our adhesive experts in the larger 3M um, all had their favorite uh, for adhesive as to what they thought might might last for uh, two weeks. And um, turns out just about everybody was way off base. Um, can't go into uh, details as to, you know, the, the key properties that we found were important, but um, most of most of the experts' favorites were uh, were were nowhere near, um, because turns out what works great for three to five days, um, it, it's the duration on skin. There there's different things ha happening. Um, one of the um, things, one of the universal at this point, um, actually we're we're hoping to change this, but at this point, one of the universal truths about getting a device to stick to skin is I, I mentioned, you know, having about a one and a half inch disc standing, a plastic disc standing in for a wearable medical device. So if you have the, the stick to skin tape go just 
to the edge of that. Um, it will not last nearly as long as if you extend the stick to skin tape about a quarter of an inch all the way around. And our terminology for that is the tape that sticks out beyond the device. We refer to that as the skirt. Um, so um, a, a skirt, when you have that, now I kind of wish I had a sample on my arm so I could demo. But um, when you have, when you're wearing a device, um, well, I will share that you don't really have to worry about the sheer properties of your adhesive. Uh, the sheer properties of an adhesive um, are uh, how you measure an adhesive's um, resistance to a a long a a long term low force. Like you know, you hang something heavy on a wall, and then you know gravity is always pulling that slowly down. Um, wearable devices generally have negligible weight, so you don't have to worry about shear being their failure mode. Where, where um, wearable devices really get challenged is if you're wearing them on the back of the arm particularly, and you walk through a doorway, and you, you, you don't, you're really not cognizant of how often your arm brushes up against something until you're wearing one of these samples and you're bumping it against something multiple times a day. Um, but, and, and that's where the challenge, that's where the stick to skin adhesive is, is really challenged in these bumps and tugs when, uh, when the uh, edge of the device encounters a, uh, a doorway or, or, or gets caught on your clothing when you're getting dressed. Um, it's, it's the bumps and tugs that we need to uh, protect against. And the um, having a skirt just changes the physics of uh, how the tape and skin are moving to greatly improve the uh, the resistance to those impacts. Yeah, it's interesting to hear about the you know how people had their winners picked. So chalk went up for you know the scientific method for yet again eliminating or reducing bias. And you know, being a little bit more objective, so that's 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 really good to hear. And but you know, yeah, the, the skirt—that's a new concept for me. I never heard of it heard that way, um, so appreciate that too. Um, Biocompatibility—you know—that was one thing I was just thinking about. Is you know, because people listening to this, are generally product teams, right? So people that are charged with launching a new product into the marketplace, and they've got a ton of considerations, right? Obviously, you know, they need some guidance to get through and specify the right adhesive. But there's also some regulatory hurdles that they need to get through. Can you speak to maybe some, you know, the ISO standard for biocompatibility and how, I guess, at the lab scale, you're overcoming that and kind of getting through that to help some people just launch these products faster? Um, yeah. So there's there's only so far that um, 3M can go in in that uh, regarding that uh, challenge. Um, the of course, before we launch a tape, we do the biocompatibility studies and and uh, make sure that our our tapes and all of their components uh, meet those requirements. Um, however, um, medical materials and technologies, the the part of medical solutions division that that uh, I'm part of and that sells uh, tapes uh, to other companies making their medical devices. 
Um, we sell our tapes um, non-sterilized and uh, depend upon our end customers to, um, you know, if it needs to be sterilized, they they need to do the sterilization. Um, we we um, study our adhesives post sterilization processes and, you know, make sure there's nothing um, really egregious, um, no egregious changes that take place in the adhesive and affect biocompatibility. But of course, we can't um, test every sterilization process that an end customer uh, might uh, expose our tapes to. And uh, that is why um, the uh, end customer has to uh, sterilize um, their tape um, and put it through any other processes that they are um, and make their final product and have that tested for biocompatibility um, um, and as their responsibility. So uh, we can, we verify that our, the materials we provide are biocompatible, but it's the, uh, it, it remains on the customer to uh, make sure their final construction uh, also meets those requirements. Great, no, thanks. And um, I'll, I'll, I'm leading to wrapping up. This will probably be my last question, but I, you know, it, it's, it's back to the focus on that product team and what they need to know to properly specify the light adhesive to get their product out there. So, I mean, obviously, you mentioned biocompatibility. We just talked about that. But, you know, what other questions should someone consider when developing wearable? I mean, there's got to be a, a, a large amount of considerations. But I guess what would you say to a product team that's looking to launch on the types of questions that they should go, that they should be asking to be able to help specify the right adhesive for their application? Yep. Um, first, the first questions that my good friend Chris Godby gets asked by customers calling for uh, application support is um, Chris will ask them where on the body, because depending on the part of the body that the skin varies. Uh, we would not recommend the same tape for a face application as we would for the arm. Um, uh, it's, it's critical how long they want it to last. Um, at this point, uh, there is not a solution that is going to adhere, adhere a device for three weeks and also remove gently with no guarantee of skin damage. Um, at this point, you don't get gentle to skin and long-term wear with the same adhesive. We're doing everything we can to, uh, to get there, but we're not there yet. So um, we will... So if you want a device to stick for five to seven days, Chris is not going to recommend our 14-day tape because um, at 14 days, it's still going to be adhered too well and uh, be too uncomfortable um, at removal. And we have other tapes that do just fine for seven-day applications. Um, and again, it's the uh, how securely you need it adhered if you're, say you've got a, a one-day application, well, is it one day on a, on a baby in a NICU? Um, well, in that case, you're going to want to use a silicone adhesive that is um, 
will remove from the skin without damaging it. If it's a one-day application for uh, an NFL player who's holding a monitor on his body to see, you know, to measure his performance, um, you're not going to use the silicone tape. You're going to use one of our more aggressive tapes uh, to, to do that. So, um, so some basic questions there. And um, the most important uh, item I would leave uh, with your end customers and our end customers is speak to us early. Um, too often, Chris uh, comes to me with an, an yet another story of someone who has developed the next great widget for wearable medical devices. And they've spent years developing the algorithms and the sensor and the casing and the electronics. And then only, you know, six months before they want to start their their final um, uh, 410 clearance, do they come and say, hey, we, we need to stick this to the skin. Um, please uh, talk to us early. Um, it'll it'll save it'll save them heartburn and uh, and make our life a little easier, giving us a little longer runway to get them where they want to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we definitely. I, I echo that sentiment. I mean, I guess from a converter perspective, it's you know, do you want additional printing on it? You know, what printing method, and and, and that's going to play in, or or you know, do we want to laminate something else to it? Or are we are we combining multiple materials? You know, there's a lot of uh, trends in towards what we're calling, you know, which is electronic skin patches. I mean, to what extent um, do you want to potentially put some additional electronics or, or function into that into that patch? So, yeah, a lot of considerations, a lot of questions. And I think we both agree that, you know, the earlier, the better uh, engaging uh, the raw material supplier on the, on, the, on the science side as well as you know, the manufacturing partner. So hands down there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's boiling six years of experience down to 30 minutes. <laughs> well, no, I, I, and we, we could go on probably, I'm sure hours because <laughs> there's, there's so many verticals you can go down in this category because we haven't even talked about, you know, you, you look at the various markets, whether it's medical, non-medical, as you mentioned, you know, with the reference to the football player, a lot of growing trends on the um, athletic space and just that consumer space, which is a lot different than maybe um, more of a business-to-business type play in, in, in a medical device, right? So it, it really spans the gamut. Yep. A um, lot of our uh, wearable device customers um, come to us and they say, you know, we've got this uh, wearable medical device. But while we're waiting for um, approvals and clearance to for the medical device, we're going to do a a consumer device uh, in in the meantime to um, generate some revenue and some uh, experience for ourselves in manufacturing. So um, there's there's incredible overlap between consumer and medical in in this space. Mm-hmm. And I guess the beauty is if you're a brand owner, I mean, there's you just get 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 both of our companies on a conference call, you know, <laughs> just do a complete design review. I mean, that's that's it. I mean, it really can be a one-stop shop. You don't need to get passed around, you know what I mean, and really get all the people and all those perspectives on the table earlier in that in that project, which will lead to speed to market. Is that an accurate statement? Uh, yes. No, I've seen everything from, um, you know, 
uh, again, I, I bring her up all the time because she is the guru of um, these solutions. Uh, Chris, um, you know, she's answering multiple calls a day and, and giving advice. And then um, the next step up is, you know, it might be uh, Chris and I and a couple of business people um, on the line or in a conference room with a customer, you know, talking about options and, you know, options right now and then you know what we might have available in a year for our customer second generation i've seen it um all the way up to um a customer brought in like four or five engineers um some of their leading business people um their product designer and 3m brought to the table you know expertise from around the company and um, just brainstormed for a day on, you know, their, the customer's design for this product. And at the end of the day, it, they, the customer said, you know, we're obviously working with the experts um, here at 3M. You just design this for us. And I guarantee you, this is not something that 3M does on a regular basis, so please I ask people not to uh, call 3M and and say, you know, oh, we hear that you design medical products. Um, it's it was it's something that 3M will consider possibly doing for major customers. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, no, it's uh, 3M really is all in on the uh, on the wearable medical space. Well, Brett, listen, I, I really appreciate your time. I mean, tons of great information uh, that I think can help a product team, you know, factors to consider to get their product out there. So appreciate the time, expertise, um, the collaboration between our companies. So thanks for uh, being on the podcast and um, be well.